And welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen Skyscraper. <laughs> yes, we have. Not a good title. <laughs> no. Pretty plain. But it's got The Rock in it. Or Dwayne Johnson, as you're supposed to call him, but he's The Rock. Right. Nev Campbell as his uh, wife. Who was very good to see. Uh, a bunch of Chinese people. Yes, yeah, so I wonder if there are big stars that I don't recognise. I recognise some of them. I mean... Um, Although, but I, I wouldn't know the names. But I recognised Chin Han, I think. Uh-huh. What do you recognise him from? He was Lao in The Dark Knight. Right, okay. But, uh, but, but well, it's set in Hong Kong, which is why there's a Chinese cast. Yes. Um, and and the, the, the story is, The Rock used to be in the FBI and um, sort of as a, a kind of police-slash-military background. And uh, you, you start off ten years before... The skyscraper part of the story, where he um, there's a hostage situation, and he's trying to sort of cool it down, and he thinks that he can he thinks that the fella is not armed. Turns out the guy's wearing a bomb vest. He explodes himself and his child and his child, and Dwayne Johnson loses a leg. Mm. And um, it's the problem with having a window open, but it's so hot. Uh, oh. Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson loses a leg. Uh, one of the one of the members of his team uh, is sort of scarred on his neck. Um, you don't see the rest of them, you know, whatever happened to them. But um, basically, he, he then has become a, a safety sort of inspector, expert type guy, and he's inspecting the the safety uh, systems on this bloody great big skyscraper, which is the tallest building in the world yes. in in Hong Kong. Um, with and basically, you go like, okay, so this stuff's going to happen. It's going to be Die Hard and Towering Inferno type of thing in here. That's exactly that. It's exactly that. So uh, his family gets stuck in there. Basically, there's a kind of a terrorist attack on it, and he has to go get his family out. Mm. It's the simple version. Yes. And uh, I had pretty much a really good time, although it is flawed. Yes. I really enjoyed it. It's more than flawed. I mean, I enjoyed it too. It's kind of you know, it's it's dumb fun. Um, and it clearly uh, uh, tries to ape uh, exactly that combination of the Towering Inferno and Die Hard. Um, and, and in some ways, it kind of succeeds, except, of course, Die Hard is a masterpiece, really, and this one isn't. This one, I think, is a, like an example of, of, corp- of good corporate filmmaking, really. Uh, and I stress corporate. You know, you can tell that the reason for setting the film in Hong Kong you know, and having the Hong Kong setting is really to appeal to the developing Chinese market, which they're clearly, clearly very keen to, to get a hold of. I mean, there was an equivalent thing with Japan in the 80s, right? Kind of, you know, films were set in Japan uh, because, you know, Japan was economically kind of rising. And, you know, I presume also because they had bought, Sony had bought Columbia or whatever. Uh, uh, but... But I do think that there is a problem with kind of artificially setting locations just to appeal to markets. I mean, well, it is kind of, you know, the opposite of what you think um, film as art really should do, which is, you know, you take care with things like locations and so on for expressive purposes. And really, Hong Kong fulfills no function in this film at all. It could have been said anywhere. Yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah, so anyway, I don't want to make more of it than that because actually I like seeing Hong Kong, you know, and I like films that are travel logs and, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that is, is, is not necessarily a problem for me, but I'm just remarking it as part of what the film clearly is, 
which is like an archetypal kind of corporate film. Um, I enjoyed watching The Rock very much. I actually, yeah. I loved the, the whole of the beginning where they tell you, you know, the building and its design and obviously it's setting up the rest of the narrative for you, you know, so that you could see the various things that are going to be at play and the various dangers and the, ver- you know, the various outs and who controls the system. And I like that whole setup, um, you know. Um, I didn't like the thing, you know, the way that the villain or the antagonist were set up. I think they could have done something much more complex and interesting with that. The antagonist is certainly rubbish. Um, I mean, they, I, they even say at one point he's Scandinavian and he's clearly Russian. Yes. <laughs> I am evil Russian villain come to take over your building. Pretty much. Yes, it's like Alexander Gudanov. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I really what, like the fact that he's got a prosthetic leg in the film. Let's start off here for me because I think I found this really interesting. I'd heard that he had a prosthetic leg before seeing it, and so I was, I was keen to sort of notice it, I suppose, and find out what they did with it because uh, I kind of th- I, I, I wondered how much of a point would be made of it, um, and I was sort of I think actually it's some of the best portrayal of a disability that I've seen in sort of what's supposed to be blockbuster cinema. Um, I, I, I think so too. I think it's great because the, the, the temptation, I think, would be to say that the, 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 the Rock's life revolves around the loss of his leg. And to, to a degree it does, because when he loses his leg at the start of the film, the doctor who treats him becomes his wife. Yes. You see, ten years later, he's, he's got a family with her. So... The loss of his leg kind of gave him a life. Uh, gave him the, well this life, this family. Yes. Um, but but no point is made of that really. It's just it's a, a part of uh, sort of who he is. And then you kind of think, well, okay, so the leg is going to become important, right? Like it's it, it's going to be his savior. Yes. And it kind of isn't. There's one point where it's it, he he uses it. It's made a joke to prop a door open. Yeah. Um, and that's be- and that becomes the kind of like yeah you. you Whatever that 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 is a kind of saviour moment, but at the same time, it, it's also a hindrance at points. You know, you can see he walks with a limp at times. Um, it, it, when he has a fight uh, early on, his leg comes away, and that is a hindrance to him. He has to hop around and, and, mm. and try and take the fight to the floor, to, you know, to adapt. But but ultimately, what the film shows is a guy who who is not uh, how to phrase it. It's it, it's ju- it's literally just a part of who he is. It's not something that his life revolves completely around. It's not something that he has to has to fight with and is and is depressed by. And that's yeah, he's not anguished by. It's it. just it's barely mentioned, right? Yeah. It's used. Yes. And 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 there are pros and cons to it. But I, I just I really think I think this isn't. I don't live with a physical disability, so you know take mm. this with a pinch of salt. But I think people who have prosthetic legs would kind of recognise it of themselves as opposed to. A, a point being made of it. Yes. It's, it's just something else. Yes, no, I think that was one of the things that... Okay, give credit to the film for that. You know, on the other hand, I think the film is really like... So we mentioned Towering Inferno, we mentioned The Die Hard. Um, I also see in the mix like a kind of an Arnold Schwarzenegger film, you know, with like this outsized and very uh, recognizable person and persona... Uh, who is The Rock. Um, the film is full of, like, quips, so, you know, it sets a tone that you're meant to take it on a particular level, mm. right? Um, it it doesn't um, have the emotional resonance 
that a film like Die Hard had, which I thought was a real melodrama and genuinely moving to me. Mm. You know, you can see all the mechanics that work in this play. There's, this, there's the bit where, you know, the children are caught in the fire and then like one tree falls and, you know, the mother is separated from one child and then another something falls and the mother is separated from the other child. And you can just see how the numbers have been worked out, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, I've never a problem with that. I think actually sets up. I don't think it's well directed, but I think it sets up threat really well. It's interesting because I think the film functions, but it's unspectacular. And actually, there are real problems with the direction. There are more than a handful of moments where I really noticed how badly things were framed. Mm. Things were framed out of shot somehow. Like when the rock's hanging off the building yeah. and he sort of slips, but he catches himself. It was great, and you jumped. Mm. Nonetheless, in that shot, it's kind of framed too tightly, I noticed. Like, if you, if you pull back just a little bit and you've got everything in, in, in frame more, then it would, it, it would be clear ultimately. Like, nothing is incoherent. We talk, you know, we've, talk, we've talked before about how a lot of action direction is you, you don't get any sense of geography and it's edited too wildly and that sort of thing. This film doesn't suffer from that, but it does suffer from just not being quite clear enough in certain shots that would, yes. that would heighten emotion and heighten tension. Okay, let me... Let me because I do think that the film does suffer from that actually you know that there are moments where you don't know the geography of a scene and and so so I basically agree with you but the moments where it fails most are um, you know the the sequence that's set up as the spectacular Lady of Shanghai ripoff right with all of these mirrors that distort space and reflect space and mm -hmm. so you don't know where you are right um, but a it's not visually as spectacular as it could be, right? Yes. And, that, and that, you know, that has to do with the way that it's framed and the compositions and so on. But also within that, nothing is set up so that you, you as a spectator, are sometimes... Um, In the uh, know. Yeah. And you need to be, to be able to kind of... You at least need to know what the characters know because you know so sometimes the characters should be confused but other times they clearly are not and they're aiming to, yeah and you should know what the difference between those two is yeah I, I see what you mean I mean that that scene actually for me suffered from the opposite problem to what I was saying just now which is actually I think that scene is not confusing enough ah. like that scene should be way more disorienting well um, but actually it's kind of in the middle somewhere and so those moments of revelation should be so actually this, this speaks to exactly what I was talking about with with poor framing, yeah. just kind of not quite capturing what it should. Mm. Where, um, so you've got a bunch of soldiers in there who are after the rock. So you've got all these screens set up that are showing people from different angles and no one's quite, it's like a Hall of Mirrors thing, like mm. you say, no one's quite sure what they're looking at, whether it's an image or a real person. So it should be very, very disorienting and the characters are obviously very uh, confused. Um, and this one soldier shoots at the rock and then a screen breaks. Turns out he was looking at a screen. And then the rock shoots at him. Mm. And, it and a screen breaks. And it turns out he was looking at a screen as well. And then you see a shot from the side that reveals that not only have they been shooting screens, but they're actually standing back to back yes. in real life. And then they turn around and the rock shoots the soldier. But the problem with that shot, that revelation, revelatory shot, is there's stuff in the way, so you can't see them clearly enough. And it's not framed such that, like, that it could be, it should be this sort of symmetrical framing that's like a punchline, mm. you know? But it's not. It's just, it's, it, it doesn't have that sense of, of 
if Brad Bird, who directed Incredibles 2 mm. earlier, was doing this, he'd have made a joke of that. He'd have yes. made it successfully. Yes. But anyway, I think, we're, I, mean. I think we're agreeing, because I also agree that sometimes you should be more confused in that scene. Yeah, but actually sometimes you should know the geography of the scene. And actually the distinction between the one and the, the other should be clear. And I think, to me, that it's all confused. Yes. And it's not visually spectacular the way that it so clearly could be in the hands of a better director. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's directed poorly. Yeah. However, that said, I enjoyed it very much as well. Uh, and, you know, I enjoyed The Rock very much. And who's the actress... Neff Campbell. Neff Campbell. I thought she, it was wonderful to see her again, actually, you know, in a big in a big film, and you know, to see her mature, yeah, and with children and so on. There was something kind of quite nice about seeing her, uh, you know, looking really good and being quite good, uh, but also kind of looking mature, yeah. Yeah, it's an incredibly fucking wholesome opening to the film. Mm. But it, well, after the opening uh, flashback mm. sort of setup scene where he loses his leg. You, you get him with his family and that whole sequence of way <clears throat> where the film introduces his family is so wholesome it makes you fucking sick but I loved it I mean I really like seeing something just that love, like a family that is clearly just in love mm. and, and a husband and wife are in love and uh, tease each other mm. and get on and he loves his kids and they have this thing of who loves you your dad loves you all mm. this sort of stuff I really really enjoyed that mm. and I think like, it makes you want love The Rock I want The Rock to be my dad I, mean? <laughs> I think he's great because we watched I, I made you watch Doom uh, last night that was terrible which was from 13 Torture. years ago and it's when The Rock was trying to prove himself as an actor and it was fucking awful but, but regardless of the fact that the Doom is not a good film he's also not very good in it mm. and, and he is too young I mean mm. he's like he's a young he's trying to be a, a sort of like 1980s action hero mm. and, that, and it's not working and actually as he's got older he's not only has he improved as an actor as well, he's relaxed he's, more. He's relaxed more, and he fits these roles yeah. more. And as a kind of as as a as a man who's thirteen years older than he was in Doom, he can he can do this role of being a dad and have something to protect, and and the responsibility aspect doesn't didn't work when he was younger, I think. Yes, and I think he really really suits this. I mean, he's he's he, he is a star, and he's developed this this star persona. Well, he's the and biggest. Really works. He's the biggest star at the moment. Um, I felt slightly cheated by the film because I thought one of the best things about the film was the building. You know, like, I I love the way that the whole building was set up and, you know, the way that it's shown to you and it's really spectacular and it's it's an amazing feat of engineering. And I would have liked a moment, like a coda at the end of the film, maybe where it's rebuilt and they revisit it. You know, a kind of... Mm. Yeah, I would have liked that. You know, because what you see is... The building's in flames, and they said, oh, yes, I'm re- I'll rebuild. But why not show it? They've already got the footage, right? Like, you know, it's a very easy thing to do, you know, and I think it would have... Um, uh, I mean, well, the, the film ends with everything having been wrapped up. You don't need that extra... I think you do. You, well, you do if you want to take advantage of the building as a, you know, as another character in the film, as one of the main characters in the film, which I think it is. Right, mm. everything revolves around the building, yeah. how it's set up. You know, the pearl in the middle, like the different security systems, the way there's a waterfall in between. Like, you know, it's an awesome, spectacular thing that they must have worked ages and ages and ages to do. Yeah. So actually, kind of, you know, why not give the audience the satisfaction of like seeing it? At the I end? guess so. I mean, the film as it is, with the film as it is, it would have felt forced in to be shoehorned in. But I suppose there is a version of the film where where they revisit and it's all like happy dappy wholesome again 
But I mean, as it is, the film the film ends with them being reunited on the ground. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I didn't have a problem with that. So yeah. that's all you needed from the. Well, I had. I mean, my well. Well, I, I had a problem with. I mean, because you see, the ending that they have is the kind of the diehard ending in a way, mm. you know, but without the fun of Christmas and the song and so on, right? Um, but the thing is that the building is not made as much of a character in Die Hard as it is here. I mean, here it is meant to be like a, a, a wonder of the modern world and like, yeah. you know, and so on and so forth. So I would have, yeah, I would have, I would have liked yeah. a, a second look at it without it in flames. Oh, fair enough. Well, I mean, just go back and watch the start of the film again. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, I thought kind of visually it was such a disappointment. And actually, narratively, I really hated For example, I really hated the... Um, the audience right so it's almost like there's an audience within the film which is all of the spectators around the building kind of seeing through cameras what's going on in the building and all they do is go wow ah, wow they you know applaud I thought oh fuck off you could have lost 15 minutes of the film cutting out all the sequences and you wouldn't have lost yeah, well, anything as if, to, <laughs> as if to prove that what's happening in the film is exciting yes <laughs> if the film trusted itself more yeah that. so you see yeah I don't uh, know what I mean that was a bit annoying, wasn't it? Um, so anyway, there you go. Nonetheless, I recommend it. It's a, it's a fun summer film. I thought it was well good fun. The Rock's really good. It's the kind of film where if he stars good, then it's great. And, and actually, I, I mean, I prefer The Rock to Bruce Willis. Oh, well, I don't. Which I know is supposed to be sort of sacrilege because Bruce Willis is fucking amazing. But I don't think Bruce Willis is fucking amazing. He's not as good as The Rock. I like The Rock Bruce more. Willis is so much better than The Rock in that film in particular. Maybe. Um, but I, I feel like... I feel like if the character... I feel like John McClane is a dick. And, and that's because Bruce Willis is a dick. And I much prefer in films like this to get along with the character. Oh, you just like warm and fuzzy. Yes, I do. I don't want Bruce Willis to be my dad, you know. No. <laughs> and that's kind of um, the criterion of value. You know, if you've got the characteristics to be the dad, then you're, you know. I, I completely think that that is how this film works for me. Yes. I want The Rock to be my I dad and look I after me. I see that. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's how it works for me, baby. Well, that's, you know, if, if you're looking, you know, for, for The Rock to be your dad, you will love this film. Yes, you will. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We are on SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes. Yes. So do do drop us a line uh, if there's something um, that you want to add or you disagree with or you want to pursue. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio.